Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with Danielle Hayden, who is a Supervisor of Early Childhood Special Education for the Department of Education in Minnesota. And she is here today to talk to me about, and to talk to all of you as our listeners, about really what's going on in early childhood special ed related to early intervention post-COVID. There have been a lot of things happening and some things not happening. And so she's going to talk to us about kind of the, the latest updates and how we as professionals serving children and families in early childhood settings, whatever that may be, how we can support healthy development. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you, Priscilla. It's so great to be with you today and obviously talking about the state of the state as it relates to all things early childhood special education. Yeah, and there's a lot going on. And so why don't we just get started with looking at the the impact on enrollment and referrals for early childhood special ed and early intervention throughout Minnesota and across Minnesota. What's going on out there? <laughs> wow, um, a lot. We we were really tracking our enrollment trends over the course of COVID. And, and as a state, we saw a reduction in the amount of students enrolled in our public school system. Um, mm-hmm. But per, of particular interest to me and my team and my providers across the state was our enrollment in early childhood. And we really saw a really significant decline We lost about 14% of our total population, um, and we Mm. were seeing um, quite a bit lower referral rates into our Help Me Grow referral system, Um, almost 500 fewer a month over the duration of about 18 months, which had significant impacts on on our child count numbers. Yes. Oh, I bet. So what do you think is behind those declines? What are some of your thoughts or theories or what's going on and and what are you all thinking at MDE about this? Yeah, we we can kind of point to a few different things in particular. One, we know that one of our major referral sources in early intervention and early childhood special education are from our medical practitioners who are seeing children for well child checks and have regular contact with families at different increments that are going over some developmental questions um, and trying to best understand how a child is developing. And so they are typically one of our biggest referral sources. Um, Another thing that we were really recognizing is that parents were making um, choices and decisions that were very specific and individualized to their situation, and much of the time very personal in nature. Um, Our early intervention programs happen in homes. There were a lot of families that did not want providers in the home. When we switched to kind of a statewide approach to doing early intervention virtually, if families weren't feeling the need or the connection that they were desiring and chose to end their services or take a break in their services. And so that also had um, a pretty significant impact to, to our numbers overall. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so now move forward almost three years as we're, you know, <laughs> getting close to March, amazing. that three years. Yeah, isn't that amazing? So as you look at this clear, there's, I am sure there's a backlog and there's this buildup of kids who need supportive services and um, 
a lot that needs to happen yeah. to get them to those services. Yeah. yeah. So and where <laughs> where does a family start? <laughs> oh boy. Um, obviously, families have multiple different avenues of seeking supports, and from a variety of different systems. So, I always tell families to access and reach out to whatever things feel comfortable and natural to them, and then the hope is that those systems will interconnect and and interact mm-hmm. with one another to get the families all the services and supports that they need. Um, it's really important for, for families to know that there's multiple ways to get access to early intervention services. Um, one of the ways is through Help Me Grow, um, that it's helpmegrowmin.org, um, where families, practitioners, family members, anybody and everybody can go into that system and actually make a referral for a child. Um, those referrals then get directly sent to the resident school district. So wherever you live is um, where that child's record goes. And then the school district will actually follow up with the family um, to discuss the referral that came in and ask if they want to proceed with um, determining whether or not an evaluation is appropriate. So that's one of the ways. Another way is that districts um, can be reached out to directly. So families can call their local school district and ask for for the contact in the early childhood program or the early childhood special education program um, and be able to make a referral that way. And then I'll add a little extra plug for children that are between the ages of three and five, your local school district will wanna do an early childhood screening. And so if you haven't completed that, that's another way for um, the school districts to take a peek at your kiddo and see how they're developing um, and make any recommendations of things to do to support their, their ongoing development. And that is such, all the things you've mentioned, you know, at the Center for Inclusive Child Care, our coaching and support services and our resources do a lot of the um, kind of sharing of those inf- those pieces of information with sites out there providing child care. And one of the things that our coaches spend a lot of time doing is supporting child care providers and those early childhood educators having those conversations with families kind of to, to because we, you know, when you're a young child, just new to group care, or especially if you've been home during this pandemic and maybe have, haven't been out and about in a lot of different places, you may, those early childhood educators, maybe those first eyes on that family's child to say, Hey, I wonder if we should check this out. So um, CICC can help with those conversations as well. I know that sometimes it's really hard, but I know that the, the, um, different avenues that you've just listed are so easy to access. I really feel that that's something that has improved so much over the last 10 years, just even helping families get what they need to do to help their child reach those early intervention tools. Yeah, we've really tried to make it as simple as possible and, and not cumbersome on the families. We really, at the end of the day, just want to make sure families are connected to the right services and supports. Um, and your school districts don't know if you're there or not unless you let nice. them know you're there. There's no way for them to know that a family moved into the community. Um, it's not the same as 20 years ago when we could get like the electric, you know, when you turned the electric over mm. to a new address or a new whatever, those records used to actually get shared to school districts and they can't be shared anymore with all the data privacy things. And so sure. districts won't won't know that a family has moved in and has children of his particular age until the family reaches out to the school district. Yeah, that is such a great reminder for folks. And and that's something that I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad you shared that. So now, you know, we we are talking about this backlog, this um, 
bunch of kids that need to to get what they need. So what do we know about enrollment and referrals over the last few months, several Mm -hmm. months, maybe now that things are quote unquote back to normal? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So every month we look at our Help Me Grow referral numbers. Those are the ones that we at the state can actually see. Um, We have had month after month, a really high rate of referrals um, beyond even what our monthly rates were prior to COVID. So we know that Mm -hmm. we're getting kind of that normal referral rate and then some, um, which we were kind we were predicting was going to happen because those kids didn't go anywhere during COVID except for they were, they were nestled in their safe spaces. And so Mm -hmm. now families are trying to engage, um, and so we're seeing our referral numbers really increase. And we also know families have re-engaged with their their primary referral source people, right? We're True. back to doctors, yes. seeing them in person, doing the normal developmental checks. Um, the other thing that we're seeing that's impacting all of this dynamic is really a workforce shortage. And I'm sure many families are experiencing that with childcare and trying to find childcare placements, but we're also mm-hmm. seeing that in the school districts. We're having a, a really significant issue with having enough practitioners to support the system in a normal space, let alone in the space that's trying to make up for lost time. And so we are seeing backlogs. We're seeing districts with hundreds of referrals. Um, and and they're still trying to get to everything and stay attentive to the requirements of the law around special education. Most significant are Part C students or our birth to three kiddos who, once mm-hmm. that referral is made, a district really has 45 days from, from that referral date until they finish an evaluation and have a conversation about services. And so um, what that kind of does in the, in the resourcing of, of staff at the district level is they divert the attention to those Part C programs because that, that timeline doesn't get a waiver. Um, and no. that might mean that some of our Part B kiddos or our preschool age students sit a little bit longer um, before they're being given an evaluation opportunity. Um, and we're also seeing this in private sector too. So families that are trying to sure. get accesses to evaluations for autism, or um, mental health um, related conditions are really seeing a backlog of like nine to 18 months in many situations. Mm. And so, yeah, yeah. So it's frustrating, right? We have have a system that's in need and a system that can support the need. And, And so we're just trying to encourage people to stay to stay patient, um, to mm-hmm. be creative in thinking through how to support the needs of, of the children um, as a whole system and connect people as much as we can to, to the sort of village that, takes, that it takes to raise a community of, of children and families. Yeah, such a, and I'm sure, so, and I would, that's kind of leading into what we can do as mm-hmm. the early childhood workforce to really support that patience and understanding. And this podcast is one step forward in that direction. We have a great partnership and in, in, um, have had some brainstorming meetings with Danielle and, and CICC. We're working on some, um, like a toolkit to really share with those waiting families who are still everyone every day they're still going to child care and those kids are still in care and there isn't a magic button that anyone can push to make things move faster however we want to make sure that we're supporting the providers who are providing the care and still needing some support in and actions and strategies and also support the children and the families with helping them 
know that this time is precious. It's not being wasted. There's lots going on and that the early childhood workforce can really help further that child's quality development with just some, an infusion of a few strategies and tips too. So that's, that's what we're working on with, with all of you. And, um, and I know that there are some other things too, that you really wanted to bring to the the forefront of how we can support children and families really during this challenging time. Yeah. Yeah. And I talked to, you know, I talked a little bit about a village, right? We, we kind of jokingly sometimes say that in our families, right? It takes a village to raise these children. Um, And it really does. It's important that we partner with other agencies and programs and supports, just like, just like Priscilla and I are doing today and looking at Mm -hmm. how can we partner with other people that are doing the same work and are invested in the same work. Work to support the needs in the ways that we're able to um, as individual ag- agencies or organizations. And so that's critical. Reaching out, yeah. um, asking for help and support and finding out what families are already engaged in and how we can help link, link additional pieces together. Um, communication, holy, is that like the epitome of all things right now? Really making sure that we're clear what the processes, what the timelines are, um, how, how this will work so that even once we get through an evaluation, how does a child get supported in their child care? Um, What are the ways we can kind of wrap around that family system and structure? Um, Educate Mm -hmm. each other on our work. It's so important um, that we don't fill in the gaps with all of our wonderings and thinkings. Um, And we ask the questions and we reach out to really understand what's going on in the systems Mm -hmm. um, and and figure out how to work together. Because at the end of the day, it's about the little one that's in the care or in service provision um, and the family that's supporting them when they're not in our care. And so how can we, how can we really educate ourselves on the whole picture and then work together to support one another in the efforts? Yeah, which, and I'm so glad that, I mean, what a great way to kind of wrap up our conversation is to talk about the fact that, yes, that child is at the center and we all want success for that child. We want them to have what they need, the tools that are essential for them to have forward movement on their path. And so, um, Danielle, I appreciate uh, the time you've taken. And I know that you guys at MDE are working feverishly and constantly to try to meet the needs out there. And just know that the early childhood workforce out there in childcare is right there walking right beside you. Absolutely. We're here to support and help. And we look forward to further partnering on this topic. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Just keep reaching out. Thanks so much for having me, Priscilla. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.